sense out of what can't be made sense of by the mind. Yeah? Where is there, where is the, you know, if you planted a flag in the river and claimed it, what are you actually claiming? What you, at the point where you put the flag in, that's gone. The water's already bye-bye. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. It's just like a, a phony little statement. I am, this is me. Yes? And then all the verbing that I can see is happening through others and through me and through things. I'll just say, we're the ones that are doing it. Yeah? I'm the one that's doing this stuff. And in fact, you don't even do almost any of your bodily functions, do you? Really. You're not digesting food, are you? And we're not, keep my little head warm. We're not digesting food, we're not pumping blood, we're not moving the heart, we're not breathing the lungs, yet. So a verb already, in a sense, the whole body's verbing, but we think that we're doing it, you know? There's a noun that sits atop all this verbing, yeah? Why is this not a noun, the idea of being a noun? What is that? I mean, not a verb. Yeah? The mind is doing what the lungs do. It's producing a sense of self. That's what it does. So it's selfing all day. It's verbing. And what it produces is a sense of being a noun by recognition as the body. So this is my flagpole, the body. And I stake my claim. All right? This is my life. It comes from here. And it's happening to here. Yeah? And when they have ever, wherever this here goes, it's the center of my world. But prior to that, obviously, is what's looking, yeah? Like St. Francis says, what's looking is what you and I are looking for. So when you, as a you, go looking for it, it's hard to see because all the while you're looking for it, that's what's looking. It's difficult to have it click, yeah? Because you assume there's an assumption that you know what's looking, which is me. So the, all the while you're looking for it, that seeking disguises what's looking as a you. Yeah? And it's because of the sense of being the you that there's a drive to look for what's looking. <laughs> because like St. Francis says, what, what's looking is what you're looking for. But we keep looking for it in things, usually in places and activities and things I can do with the hopes that that will give me an experience of what's looking. But you can't have an experience of what's looking because you're what's looking. Yeah? You can't... You, if, if you are what's looking, how can you be a subject to have an experience of it? Yeah? If you are what's looking, how could you come, become something else to have an experience of what's looking? There would have to be a real you that could look for and find what's looking, because it would be different than the real you. But we're saying you are what's looking, and therefore the you that's looking for is just a verb. Yeah? There's the seeking, and in the interpretation of that movement, is a noun is placed in. Yeah? The selfing, which is part of the seeking, yeah? Selfing, selfing, seeking, selfing, seeking. But the selfing gives up a feeling of being a noun, and now the noun claims the seeking, and now you are the seeker. Yeah? So, but all there is is seeking going on. Yeah. But the mind goes, no, I'm the seeker. Yeah? I'm the seeker. But that's just like, <clears throat> here's the verb, 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 and one of the first set of verbs is, goes like this becomes a noun, seemingly, and then it claims all the other verbing. So, like, you'll have an opinion about what you do, but where did what you do start, really? It started with the sense of being the doer. Really, yeah? But the question's never at that sense. It's always about what I did, and I shouldn't have done, and I should do, and I shouldn't do this, and I shouldn't do that, but part of all doing is the doer. That's also a verb, yeah? The feeling of being the doer is just as much a verb as the doing. Yeah. It's the same, but the mind implies a meaning with the first set of verbing as a noun, and then all of the verbs are claimed by this other verb. 
And this verb goes, I'm doing and having and seeing and feeling and tasting, and this is my body and my time, and you're doing this to me, and there's verbs coming this way and verbs coming out, and I don't like these verbs, and I'm going to try to do something and move myself over here and get some new verbs, but this is all a verb also. <laughs> there's no noun to be found. It's all a verb. And your consciousness, yeah? And you can be conscious of that fact, yeah? But you'll be unconscious of that fact as a you. Because you'll think all the doing and having starts from here, outward. You don't realize this is part of the doing and having. The mind's doing and having a sense of being a you. It's just verbing another, yeah? Just like if you went running, the mind's selfing. When you go running, your body may sweat and get tired and get endorphins. The mind, when it's selfing, gets really agitated, gives a lot of meaning to things and seeks and hates and loves and desires and abhors and all like that. All based on a, a confined paradigm of duality. Yes. It can only think either or. It can't think holistically because there's no holistic thought. Every thought is a separate, yes? Either or, yes or no, black or white. There's no holistic thought from the thought system that generates the feeling of being a self. You're never going to get a thought that's holistic in it. It's like pairs of opposites, good, bad, yes, no, right, wrong. It can't do anything else. It has its limitations. The thinking is defined by the system it's in, which is self-centeredness. So its thinking is all rooted in a self, yes? The self has a, a determined way of looking out from selfing, which is split. It sees black and white, dark and light, you know, love and hate. It gives levels and degrees. And it just, it's just like, uh, puts its own template on, let's say, the space and makes a different story out of it, yeah. You can be close and far. You can feel connected and disconnected. And they are, they are authentic feelings in an inauthentic place. There are authentic dream feelings, but they're inherently a dreamt feeling. Yeah. But they're authentic. While you're a dreamt object, it's going to feel as if it's as real as it can be. To who? You. Because by it being real, you seem to be real. But neither of them are real. Yeah? doesn't mean they don't have effects in the dream, they do. They have effects on the dreamt object. So, you get sick, your body's going to suffer. It's going to have pain. Yeah? It's going to feel run down. <clears throat> All like that. And then if you think this is you, then you're going to take this world as being real. And viruses and bacteria as being real, as if they're inherently separate entities that can affect you. And yet, here it seems like that. And in, from this point of view, there's no way out. You're never going to leave selfing from uh, self. Yeah? So self is never going to bring you the solution to its own demise, in a way, which is that it doesn't exist. It's not a noun. It's a verb. It's a selfing. And there's awareness prior to that that is witnessing, in a sense, all the selfing. Yeah? You may not be privy to all of the selfing being witnessed because you're a part of the selfing. <laughs> yeah? You can only see the selfing from a point where you show up as a sense of being you. Maybe you can see that, yeah? But awareness, I'd imagine, sees it all because it's all stemming out of awareness. Awareness is the field in which it appears in, yes? And it appears. It doesn't exist. It appears. Just like something's born and dies, that's an appearance. Yes, some insect was born this morning at 9 o'clock and it's dead by 2. Maybe it had one fornication and then it got squished, you know? So it had like an eight-hour lifespan, but it got cut to five hours. And then we see our life is 80 years, and we think it's different, but it's just a difference in degrees, isn't it? The bug appeared and disappeared. This appeared and disappeared. We just give it more meaning because we think it's us that's appeared. <laughs> like a guy wrote a book, uh, someone showed me years ago, Ishmael, something like that. And he... he in the book, they look at the uh, at evolution from the point of view of a jellyfish. 
So from the point of view of the jellyfish, evolution stopped at the jellyfish. The jellyfish is the crown of creation. <laughs> from our point of view, we think we're the crown of creation. You've got to see what's, what's pontificating all these great meanings about us is us. Yeah? <laughs> the head itself is telling us how important we are. <laughs> Manifest destiny, yes. <laughs> you have to see, there's no escape from the system. The only authority that you'll find here is from here. There's got to be a, like a vertical little... The mind has to stop going this way in a sense and maybe look that way or backwards. And then it meet, reaches another type of authority, which instead of believing the best thing to do is to know... You find out. Yeah. You find out while you're living. You don't know what's going to happen. You find out what happens. It's an incredible different way of living today. The mind wants to tell you how it's going to be to assure you that it's going to be terrible or good and give you a false sense of knowing so that it doesn't get so fucking agitated by the unbelievable mystery of this whole place. Oh, I know what money's going to be like. It's going to suck. Uh-huh. You didn't even get up yet, but it's already told you it's going to suck. But if you look at life, even in this time sequence, each card is dealt to you one at a time. Yeah? You don't get the whole hand, and you don't get the 5 o'clock p.m. hand at 9 o'clock in the morning. You get the one card, and then this, and this, and this. And your mind wants to know how it's going to turn out. Yes, it's very, very, wants this sense of mental security. But life just do, 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 do. So it's really a finding out. Yeah. Knowing or understanding to me is just a basic introduction, like say, to this message. It's not, it's not the end all and be all. It's just opens you up to start knowing in a different way, which is basically finding out. Like staying in, in like an open vacuum and then downloads occur and things arise and show up when they do. And if they don't, they don't. But that I don't know is really the greatest security. Insecurity is the greatest security. Because you just stay in the I don't know, or, and then you find out. And then that kind of knowing is much deeper than this knowing. Yeah? When you read a book and you think you know something, that's ridiculous. That's just on a very shallow, it's like, like that Jethro Tull song, you're, skinning, you're skating on the thin ice of a new day, yeah? You're very, it seems like it's solid, but it doesn't really hold any weight. Finding out is really something, it's like you get drenched in something, yeah? Like, you put in the dye, and it really soaks the cloth, yeah? You find out what it's like. You don't know what it's like, you find out what it's like. It's a different way to go. And it's just a matter of how the mind is formulated. If it's formulated in self-centeredness, its drive is to know, obviously, and and to be right and to be special three basic drives, really. It wants to be right. Even if it doesn't know something, it wants to be right about not knowing it. It wants to make you wrong about knowing it. (laughs) And then it wants to be special. It wants someone to see it as special. And then it wants to be, uh, what was the other one? Special, right? And knowing. And it wants to know. And it much rather have secure misery if it knows it than the unfamiliarity of spontaneity. I saw my mother, that's what happened with her. She was very vivacious and incredibly powerful, alive woman, and then she became alcoholic in her later life. My father died. And she basically ended up laying on a couch after work every day, drinking shake of beer, falling asleep. And when I'd come home, and I'd put on the TV, and we had a house, we lived in a two-family house, we were on the first floor, and there was two driveways in another house and as she'd be out cold and as soon as I'd try to turn the volume up so I could hear it yeah, she'd wake right up what about the neighbors? And I said Jesus Ma the neighbors don't, they can't, I can't hear this you know what I mean? I can't hear what I'm like this on the TV what about the neighbors? turn that thing down her whole life was based on her the thoughts about how others were perceiving her it's called that self-consciousness it was incredible
something that was expressing in such a vivid, lively way to be, let's say, toned down and diminished so much here. That's what happens here. Just like in our lives as recovered people, we were in one dualistic movement, addiction, and now some of us are in the other swing. Everything here is just a movement. Yeah? The verb is like, the verbing here is like in a, a wash basin that something's going like this. So everything goes zhup, zhup, zhup. Like my old Tai Chi teacher, I used to call him and say, man, I'm really feeling bad lately. I've been feeling bad for about four weeks. And he said, congratulations. I go, what do you mean congratulations? He says, well, I've been feeling bad for four weeks. You're going to be feeling good pretty soon. <laughs> and if I would say I've been feeling really good for, for a while, I'd say, I'm sorry. Because <laughs> you're going to feel bad Because it goes, zhut, 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 zhut. And you can't stop that if you're made by this and that. The you is like in the middle of the seesaw. Yeah. You go here, you go here, you go here, you go here. Yeah. This is never going to be like that. It's impossible. What to do is to take this out. Then it just drops. If you take the, the sense of the self out of it, then you're freed from that dualistic swing. Yeah. Your sense of a day isn't like when people go, did you really have a good time this last trip? It doesn't even correlate in my head anymore what a good time is. There's just always, <laughs> always the underlying context is the same every day, all day. And then there's all this little like finger puppet activities going on as, and this is one of them. And then it just gets dismissed. Everyone goes to sleep. And then it's <laughs> really every day is basically, there's not a day, you know, it's just one Sucked, you wouldn't want to do it as a you. (laughs) Yeah, of course, it's an incredible state because you have to find out. That's what happens. If you say you want to try to explain how it is or knowing it, knowing it, it doesn't do it anywhere justice to finding out about it. You have to walk like that and see what happens day in and day out in this place of time. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. Your attention gets freed from just going out here and then hitting the bull- billboard of you. And then back, out, hit, just back, hitting self, back, hitting self all day, and you're in that loop of self-importance, which is insanely mentally ill and creates a lot of neuroses and you see it here, perversions and addictions, mind just goes bananas. It's like a marathon runner put in your cellar, you know, just can't run much. It's just so, you know, its ability to entertain, which is vastly unbelievable, it's entertaining like the length of your pants. Are they too short or not all day? Does anyone recognize my it's, just, it's put to some very strange tasks now when it could be entertaining the space and the peace of, of its own nature, yeah? Just by being that nature. Yeah, so. Yeah, it allows you to travel lighter here as this, as this appearance. The disappearance travels lighter as being a non-appearance. See, the whole thing, like St. Francis says, what the appearance is looking for is what's looking, which is a non-appearance. The best advantage for the appearance here is to entertain the non-appearance. The more you entertain this, and the more you want and try to get, and this and that, it seems like the more unhappy this becomes here. If you lose interest in yourself and gain interest in others, your sense of contentment grows. So it's more of a disappearing act here than a becoming more of my authentic self, but to realize there is no authentic self. Yeah? So in the sense of disappearing is the joy. Like they say, in a way, you really are the absence of this presence. This presence, you are actually the absence of this. In other words, if we move this chair like I always do, 
And so let's say the chair seems what like is present, yeah? This is what's present. And we don't and we take the rug as being here longer and maybe this longer, but the chair seems to have appeared earlier and it's present. And but there's not much recognition of the space. Yeah. But if you took the chair away, <coughs> it, there would be no effect that the chair ever had on the space. And the only way you would remember the chair was there by memory. You, you weren't seeing it anymore. It was, and it would be like it was, it was never there. That's sort of what it's like. We're really like, this is an appearance in this space. And I would say we are more space-like than appearance-like. Yeah. And even with being driven to, to bring about a contentment and joy and happiness in the appearance, the best thing the appearance could do is entertain it's not an appearance. <laughs> really. <laughs> yeah. Not entertain space as an appearance, but entertain it's not an appearance. Not to be, in, not to be, be seemingly this and entertaining that space as if I'm good, as this is going to have an experience of that but to entertain I'm not this, yeah? Then more space floods in, in your life, yeah? Your lens gets opened up. And, you know, it's not just pointing outward and recognizing things. It's sort of open, yeah? And then downloads shoot through, but they don't come through the conditional mind. They come through another point, of access, and then they they get redirected. Like if something happens with me, I there's no thinking about it. It just goes somewhere in a sense, gets gets digested, and then it gets regurgitated through me. And I whoa, wow, yeah. And it's like a download, but the download isn't coming from studying and knowing and this and that. It's coming from finding out, just like walking around. Hey, what the hell's happening here? Yeah. So there's. Because really, where would you want to have any... Truth has no value other than here, really. You are already what you're seeking, so there's no sweat whatsoever. There's just, a, there's just seemingly amount of time that you think you're in appearance, but it's going to end. It can't, it can't outrun eternity. Yeah? It can't outdistance what is timeless. Yeah? So, <laughs> the, the value of truth is for you, who's entertaining... What's not true to entertain it? Yeah. Then there'll be a traveling light here because here you can travel heavier light, obviously. Yeah. So while you're traveling, seemingly here, it's nice to be traveling lighter. Then you say, well, who is it that it's nice for? Find out yourself. Yeah. And I found the best for me how it happens with me is I just see I'm what I'm not, and that's that. Because if what's looking is always what's looking, then the only dilemma is, is the idea of there's a you that's looking for. So if you take the you out, there it is. Yeah. What's looking is what's looking for. What's the problem? I'm looking for a parking space. You know, I'm looking for a surf spot. I'm looking for some food tonight. Yeah. There's always looking for you, isn't it? So what's looking is what you are looking for. So every time I'm looking for what's looking, yeah? every time I'm busy looking for noble things, you know, perverse things, you know, all the looking would be what's looking, wouldn't it? Every moment, what's looking is demonstrating itself or being interpreted by out my head as me looking for. So what's what's the big problem? The big problem, in a sense, if there is one, is the me. Just take the see. There's I'm not that me, and then you'll notice what's looking while you're looking for you, which is what's happening all day. Yeah. You'll notice while the looking for is happening, what's looking. And maybe your seeking will stop, or whatever, because obviously, if you realize you are what you're looking for, <laughs> something's going to change, yes. Obviously. <laughs> How could it? 
Yeah, it's just obvious. Yeah. So you see, hey, and then what? It's not like you have to be in a special kind of looking for, yeah, to to feel like it's okay to recognize what's looking. You don't have to be wearing robes or be at a nice mountain with the wind blowing your hair. Or, <laughs> it can be taking a shit. You know, it can be anything. It's all day is what's looking. And all day, that's what you're looking for. But the great news is you're looking as it. Yeah? Instead of looking for it, just entertain, I'm not that which is looking for it, and that's looking as it. Because you've been looking as it the whole time. If that statement is clear and true, what's looking is what you're looking for. So obviously, what's looking has been where you've been looking at out of from all at all times. It's not like something that you did to bring it about. It was always evident, but there was a missing of it because you were identified with a you, which puts you right in the mode of looking for. Because if you're a you as this, you need something. Obviously. Yeah? You immediately, when you recognize this in this life, there's gonna, you're going to need something, some relief from your fucking mind, you know, some this, some that. So, but if you see that, oh, I'm not that you, then there's no second thing you have to do. Yeah. Oh, I'm now going to become this. Yeah. No, I'm not that, and that's what I am. I am that. When I'm not that is seen, that's what's looking, unabridged or unadorned with selfing. But all the times it was adorned with selfing was still what's looking. At every moment, all there's been is what's looking. There was just a mental interpretation that there was a you that was doing the looking. Yeah? And then that gave the mind the, the right, in a sense, to start vomiting, selfing over everything and having opinions of what I'm looking for and what they're getting and what this, and then just having this whole realm of mental selfing. <clears throat> becoming so, uh, so uh, like attractive to our attention and interest. Because our attention and interest is like a like a, a, a hound dog that who got a scent of a piece of, uh, fr- of uh, fabric, it's going to run by everyone else and go to that person who has that scent. So if the mind is given the sense of the self as me, the meaning of being me, which is the biggest meaning you can give to anything, more bigger than God, if it, the biggest meaning the mind can give is that it's, that it's you. Yeah, it's me. So if that's the case then the interest tension is going to go where that activity is happening, which is up here, and all the thoughts about what's not happening. Because that's where you're the biggest star, is in your mind. It's all about you up here. It's not all about you even in this room. There's eight other yous that they think it's all about. So, but in your mind, it's all about you. (laughs) You're the star, the director, the producer, the cameraman, everything, you or me or you know, sense of self um, and, and you were saying how to do it for self to see what you're not uh, I had sort of different approach but the same I came to the same spot at the end I was trying to find who I am I mean okay what's that entity and yeah. all I could find is my thoughts my memories my points of view my habits my whatever all mind stuff uh, so and, and you do that for a while and you really realize wait a minute that's not just a phrase that I heard there is no me. I mean, okay, what is it? You can't find it. And so that kind of frees me a little bit, opens me up to entertaining the notion that um, it's a fictitious thing. It's yeah. just a phantom, uh, uh, which allows the possibility that you might be, you know, whatever. Uh, yeah. The only thing I see, the only hook I see with that, because <laughs> that's sort of one of the first things I ran into, is that if the identification as a self is in place, you'll be thinking you have that insight. As a self, yeah, because there's still there's still a dualistic thing going on because identification claims everything, yeah. So if something arises and you have a, a like an epiphany or anything like that, the mind will rise up and say, "I just had this epiphany," which sounds true because an epiphany seemed to have occurred, but it didn't occur to you. It just occurred, yeah. The mind makes up the story that occurs to you. For me, this way, I'm not that, doesn't lead to another state, a point, because what's claiming everything, I'm, I'm recognizing I'm not that. So then things go unclaimed, 
Yeah, and that's the freedom. Yeah? I'm not that. So I see I'm not that. I don't need to do anything else. And there's, and what I'm not is what's rising and claiming everything that's happening. Yeah? It's not, I'm not that. I can say that. But what I, I'm not is, is that mental activity that rises and claims everything with the assumption that I'm a body or a spirit in a body or some kind of individual soul that has a characteristic of Paul. And that's what's, yeah, just had all, no, no, I'm not that. Every time that sense of being Paul rises, I'm not that. Yeah? So as soon as you see, so the verbing is going on, and then you see the little verb that tries to go like this, and you go, I'm not that, and then the verb goes, and it tries to get, it's like always appearing before consciousness as the camera, but it always wants to put itself behind consciousness and say, I'm seeing, I'm doing all this, I'm having all this, yeah? But it never can be prior to consciousness, because it's a mental process, the sense of being a self, yeah? So it can never, it can never switch this position, and, and which it does all day by saying, I'm seeing, I'm hearing, I'm feeling, I'm tasting, I'm touching, I'm cognizing these thoughts, I'm the one, yes? So the, the mind always wants to become an authentic self and put itself to perceive consciousness, but consciousness in, in just dirt shit level uh, recognition is always prior to. There's always the seeing, like you see a bird, let's say it's a pigeon, and you don't like pigeons, so you see the bird, oh, I don't like to see that bird, but you saw the bird, yeah? The bird was saw, was seen, there was seeing going on, so, and just like people say, oh, they get a feeling, they, oh, I don't want to feel that, but they already felt it, <laughs> their reaction is, I don't want to feel it, but it already happened, yes? So you can see, conscious contact is prior to the mental reaction which is the formulation of being a self. So the conscious contact is switched by the claiming, yes? The mental process claims it as the body, and now the body is what's conscious. So when I saw my friend, my uncle dead, I thought my whole time I knew him that he was the body, Uncle Fred. And then when I saw him dead in that casket, I looked in, I had a very, very strong hit that that's not Uncle Fred. Now, in hindsight, I realize I was assuming that was Uncle Fred because I was assuming this was Paul. So if I give myself this identity, I give you that identity. But when I saw Uncle Fred dead, <laughs> there was a feeling that, ain't, that wasn't what I was calling Uncle Fred. And if I would have taken parts of Uncle Fred's body, put in a live body, they would have worked. But they weren't working now. So obviously the brain isn't seeing and the eye isn't seeing because the brain could have been intact but it wasn't seeing anymore, was it? It wasn't generating any sight. But if you took that eye with another body that was animated and that eye would see. It would produce images to the sense of the brain. And those images, because the brain had a different sense of itself, would produce a different sense of itself saying, oh, I saw this. And would maybe have different opinions of what it saw than Uncle Fred's eye would have had in Uncle Fred's head, yeah? So the eye doesn't have the opinion. The eye is, you know, it's... And the brain, no matter what it's doing, selfing, isn't able to produce it without consciousness, without something enlivening it, yeah? Without something projecting the juice to show the movie. The, every projector needs one thing, light, you can have the greatest projector of all, the greatest body and the most intelligent brain and this and that. But without that light coming through it, it's fucking like Uncle Fred's body. Yeah? And if you took that brain out, <laughs> I don't think they last long. You know? <laughs> so the undifferentiated light comes to us in a sense, let's say that. And it doesn't come from this body, really. But through this, this body appears, and through this appearance, it's like all different lenses. The light gets differentiated, and now is seen to be other and this and that, different sizes and space. But all in the context of space, yeah. Without space, nothing could appear. Just like in the sky, all that shit moves through the sky, but never affects the sky. No matter what I ever do here, I can't hit the fucking space. You know what I mean? 
I'm going to have an. Inf- I'm going to affect you. I'm going to show my relevance by affecting you, space. No, because actually, as an appearance, I'm irrelevant. Only t- to you, I'm not. Maybe, but I am irrelevant in the context of space. Yeah, as this. But I am that space. Obviously, there's one eye that's looking. Yeah. Natalia, Ryan, everyone, Ryan, Jeff, Boogie. There's one eye that's looking. The verb of looking occurs, the mental reaction is I, Paul, am looking at Natalia. Yeah? But Natalia, Paul, are part of the verb of looking or seeing. Yeah? The whole event isn't like, I'm seeing that. That's called seeing. Yeah? A pseudo-subject sees a pseudo-object, and that's the experience of seeing. Yeah? But in fact, this I that's seeing is the same I that's looking out of your head, looking at me. So really, there's only one I that's seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, and touching here through all of these different camera locations, so to speak. Just one eye. Because if I said, oh, that was Uncle Fred seeing, obviously it wasn't Uncle Fred. So obviously it's not the body that's seeing. And the brain, even though it was probably, could have been intact, was not seeing, wasn't having the experience of seeing made up in its only here. So like a lot of people believe it's only the brain experiencing everything. But without the light of consciousness, none of that could occur. So one eye looking seemingly out of millions of different camera tripods. The substitute that uh, I, the word concept of I, with uh, concept of consciousness. Yes, spirit. Yes. God. Yeah, yeah. You can say God if you like. Whatever works for you. But there is only one what, not even one, there's no one. But there's just what's looking. And you'll never see it. How you see it is knowing what's looking the verb of it, that's another form of seeing it. You can't see it as an object, and you can't know it as an object, but you can know it in a sense, you get an intimation of it as a verb, yeah? Something happens, that you get a sense of it you didn't have before, because the idea of looking for it as a thing has been dropped, because you're not a thing, yeah? When you realize you're not a thing, then that's the way of seeing no thing. Now you're seeing, now you have the glasses to see no thing. But when you're wearing the glasses as a thing, it blinds you. It's like those glasses where it just blinds you to that one color. You can't see it. You put one color on, blue is taken out of all the things you see. Yeah. Once you put on a sense of of glasses of being a thing, you're blind to no thingness. And that's all the looking for. You're looking for no thingness, but you're looking for... You're looking for it as a thing and and from a thing. Yeah, that's the that's the way it's hidden because no thing. This is obviously it's not a certain stationary, separate now that things everything issues from. All there is is seeing. Yeah. It's not like a <clears throat> there's no noun. As the, as the periphery of the fence where all the verbing occurs from the noun. There's just verbing. There's just space. Yeah? There's just consciousness. And all of us are appearances just like this chair, chair is. As a body. Doesn't mean anything right or wrong with that. That's just what it is. But the body, you can travel lighter as an appearance when you entertain you're not an appearance. Because if you entertain your appearance, you think you're real. <laughs> and that's the dilemma. Yeah, when you give an appearance a reality, <coughs> of course it's going to fail you because you're going to die <laughs> in the dream. Yeah, you're coming to an end, <laughs> and you better believe the mind's a little concerned about that because it's got a lot invested in time. So it doesn't, it doesn't escape that fact doesn't escape it, and it's entertaining the future. Yeah, 
there's all an underlying sense of concern around that, that my little act is going to come to an end. <laughs> I wasn't seen to be special enough yet. I haven't had enough experiences. I haven't been loved and all like this. I want to stay. Give me one more curtain call. No. So, inherently, it's agitated, yes. Because it feels like it's got to bundle up and get as much as it can because it's going to come to a close. What would happen if there was a sense of timelessness? Yeah? Your pursuit of happiness would turn into a very leisurely walk. Because you'd be happy. Because you've been relieved from the pursuit of happiness. Yeah? You would really be relieved from the pursuit of happiness. You would just be relieved of it. You'd be like, this is it. Like Kenny Loggins' song. This is it. Make no mistake who you are. This is it. <laughs> I like that song. Yeah. So this is it. Oh, I don't like this is it. Yeah, I know. Because in the mind, it could be it's different. Yeah. And once you entertain something that could be different, all hell breaks loose. It does, doesn't it? When you were a kid, you didn't entertain things that could be different. I didn't entertain I could be in a different house or a different mother and father or a different brother and sister. Later on I did. <laughs> there was still my brother and sister. <clears throat> and I, you know, I didn't compare my best friend with other people because I didn't, you know, he's just my best friend. It's when I went, it was so funny. I had a best friend, Wayne Griffith. And then he was a really cool guy with me. But then I, when I went to Catholic school, he went to public school. After first or second grade, from their point of view, he was a douche, you know, or not cool. And so my relationship with him changed because of how others viewed him. Yeah? But before I met those others, he was fine as fine can be. Yeah? So as soon as my head entertained, oh, there's something wrong with that. Oh, yes. Separation, yes. The sense of moving away from and then the moving away towards, which is a slavery. Yeah? Moving towards, moving away towards, moving away. And most people's moving towards things here are moving away from something inside in their little mental catacomb. What's really driving their wanting to do something is they don't want to. So that whole movement is causing an agitation and yet underlying it is the stillness of the ocean. But if we're taking ourselves to be an appearance, if we're taking ourselves to be a wave, yeah, and here we are at a meeting about the ocean, it's sort of really ridiculous because we're trying to know the ocean, but as a wave. It's totally pointless. You can study every book about the ocean and think you're a real ocean expert as a wave, but you're still not seemingly wet. You're not having the sense of wetness that the ocean instills in us as ocean, yes? So, but... So that's why I don't care about knowing about the ocean. I just want to realize I'm not a wave. When I realize I'm not a wave, that's the ocean. And then you find out what the ocean is like, not know it. Yeah? You find out what it's like, not know it. Not know it like a book knowledge. Or somebody told you and now you, you believe what you read and now you're taking that point of view. No, it's... A, it disarms you from all that excess knowledge. You just have a sense of finding out. And you, need, you get to know what you need to know. When you need to know. Or you don't. And that's what you need to do. Yeah. Just allows you to travel like you. You have to admit you probably are, aren't you? Entertaining this? Yeah. There you go. That's the real, you know, here. See, to be right about the truth doesn't serve us. It's about finding out, you know. Like, I try not to read many people anymore because I don't want to have their ideas in my head. I just like it to be homegrown, like my own little marijuana patch, my own buds. So, produced by just entertaining. There's one guy I like to read, but he's very out there. But, uh, you know, just see what happens and then let it ferment and do what it does. And then hopefully if I keep having the seed assignment, I can offer it to others. But it's not like, 
a stock version, you know. Nothing, not all the all the blocks don't set up perfectly as the philosophies put it. Because that's not my experience. I see it another way. Yeah. shame rests in the mental realm. It rests on a sense of being the personal doer. It can't rest anywhere else. It has no foundation to be entertained here except on the branch of personal doership. The mind's entertaining of guilt and shame all rests on you being the doer of the action. You're the committer or the omitter. You should have done something you didn't do or you did something you shouldn't have done. But what, so therefore, now you have thousands of birds of guilt and shame shitting all over you all day. You're sitting here. Are you going to try to shoot every one of them? Just cut the branch off. Take the branch which they rest on. When the branch is gone, there won't, there won't be any perch where the birds can shit on you. <laughs> yeah. Then you don't need forgiveness. No, none of that stuff. There's nothing to forgive, really. Your most heinous act hasn't left one bit of an effect on this. <laughs> it's really... You just see, it's in your irrelevance as this that there's freedom in a sense. You just realize you're not the big shaker and doer that you thought you were. Yeah. It's very liberating. I know. The whole drop and the whole structure of your skeletal system, everything, because you're all tightly wound up. Life is going to be based on what I do or don't do. <laughs> That's a lot of pressure. This is like, oh, fuck it. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> I didn't do anything today. Uh-oh. My mental accountant. No value. No value today. What did he do yesterday? Nothing. Nothing. Well, I come up with zeros. Hallelujah. The zero is the greatest number of all. Nothing, everything comes from. My accountant got fired a long time ago. I'm not accruing any value in my life. What am I doing? Of course, if there's anything it's doing that's valuable, it doesn't see as valuable. But it sees everything it's not doing is very valuable. <laughs> You'd be saving the world, but you didn't do your laundry yesterday. That would be the valuable point. Doing your laundry. It, just, it doesn't have any rhyme or reason. There's no logic to it. It just jumps wherever it can to try to hook you. It's like that... It's like, here's the ocean of whatever verb, and then the mind drops a couple pieces of fish in there, like bait, yeah? And then the ocean of mind, its interest, because maybe it thinks that bait is about it, yeah? Moves up to the bait, and it's moving up to the bait and entertaining and being attentive to the bait. It gets identified with the bait, and then it becomes a fish. It becomes identified. And then the sense of being a fish is also a historical sense because it has, it has the, the trip of time going on in the mind. So it feels like you've been the fish for a long time. Being the ocean rising up to the bait is totally forgotten. And you feel like you've been this fish a long time. And then that hooks you for a while. And then there's something that occurs and you get freed. And then you're back in. And then something, oh yeah, I am a loser. <laughs> And then, oh, then you're in that sense of then, oh, you'll never be, you'll never be enough for anyone. Oh, and it's a so what if you're never enough for anyone. It's the meaning the mind gives it. If you're never enough for anyone, who cares? I mean, what does it really mean? It only means a lot to the mind that wants to mean something to somebody, isn't it? So you're never really reacting to what's happening. You're reacting to the meaning the mind's giving it. So let's. One girl leaves you and another girl leaves you. The one girl was just casual acquaintance when she leaves you. The same event, yeah? Not much effect. But then this other girl leaves you and she was a fairy princess in your head. Huge effect. But they're both the same act. Some woman left me. 
But the meaning my mind gave it was much different. And of course, the mental experience of suffering around it becomes much different. That's all that's happening here. Mind is just giving meaning to things all day. And it's all rooted and based on self-centeredness. Yeah. So all the meanings pertain to you. And if you're not that you, you can have immunity to those meanings that that you tries, or the mind tries to give through the idea of being a you. Yeah? Instead of trying to change, you know, trying to work on all these topics, just work on what has the topics, you know, just see if it's really so. If that's really you. Are you beholden to the mind's opinions, really? If you have a bad thought, that, that, does that make you bad? If I look at a babe walking down the street, oh, I shouldn't have looked at that babe. No, who the hell? There was no one that looked at the babe. That's the whole point. <laughs> the mind is unbelievable. Rushes in, claims it, and then, that wasn't right to look at that babe. Oh, so. All right, I'm never going to look at a babe again. Next babe, you're looking at it. Oh, I failed. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. Guilt and shame. I shouldn't be looking at babes. But you are looking at babes. But I shouldn't be looking at babes. But you're not looking at babes. Oh. What's a babe? What is it? Uh, these two women right here, Natalia and this lovely woman, are babes in my vernacular. <laughs> and I'll keep looking at babes, because I'm not looking at babes. <laughs> entertaining so much of the self thing, it's actually peaceful and open and wide. Yeah? In other words, this this door that's been closed and been called a ceiling is really a skylight. Yeah. In the self-centered system, it's just a ceiling. There's nothing over. But what's actually happening, it opens up. And when your attention, instead of going into selfing all day, goes up there, that's the place of finding out, really. That's the place of finding out. So, that's that for tonight. Any questions?